This is an OSV Podcasts production. To learn more about OSV Podcasts Network, visit osvpodcasts.com. The National Catholic Educational Association 2024 Convention is coming up soon. All Catholic school educators, administrators, and leaders are welcome to join us in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on April 2nd through 4th, 2024. For Together in Pittsburgh, Connections, Commitment, and Community, the largest Catholic education convention has it all with breakout sessions, liturgies, special events, and a keynote by Steve Angrizano. Register using the link in the show notes. We can't wait to welcome you to Pittsburgh. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Real and True Podcast. I'm your host, Edmund Mitchell. And as you know, on The Real and True Podcast, we're exploring our mission, unlocking the catechism for the modern world. But we're also want to help you uh, and equip you to use some of the content that we're we're making, but also equip you to use the catechism and have conversations with experts in the field so that you're better equipped to catechize and evangelize. You're kind of understanding some of the behind the scenes or the the more like the theory, the foundation, the the principles that will help unlock the catechism for you in catechesis and evangelization. And I'm really excited because today we have um, Father Stephen Pullis, who is an advisor to Real and True, um, has worked in the Archdiocese of Detroit as Director of Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship. And he also has 13 years of pastoral experience working in parishes, um, working uh, at the seminary, where now currently he's the Director of Pastoral Formation and he's a professor at Sacred Heart major seminary. So really excited today to talk about grace and catechesis and evangelization with Father Polis. Thank you, Father Steve, for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm a huge fan of the great work that Real Plus True does and and you, and it's great to hear, uh, to, to be with you on this. So thanks for having me. Yeah, this is so great because, um, you know, I interact with the advisors and you guys are giving really good feedback on the scripts and stuff, but I don't often get a chance to like have longer conversations with you. And uh, I've appreciated so much, like some of the little comments and even some of the little like funny comments here and there where it's like, oh, I don't know about this, you know, or just like some, some like, yeah. And also Darth Vader, you know, like just, um, so it's, uh, it's been really fun and I'm really excited. Maybe you could tell people. Um, just to give people a little context for your experience in catechesis or evangelization so that they kind of know where we're coming from as we're talking about these things and that, you know, it's rooted in like practical experience. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me and uh, happy to talk about this. You know, in Detroit, we've been working on this for a number of years, trying to find ways that uh, catechesis isn't just a uh, an idea that is relegated to a classroom. Um, of course, it happens there, but we want people to be able to know and live the faith and to see the way it interacts with their lives. So our movement for Unleash the Gospel has been really trying to say, how do we help people not just kind of work their way through a program of catechesis or get to a graduation like so many people might see confirmation or, or other steps like that? How do we equip people to be lifelong disciples of Jesus? Um, and that's, you know, that's hard work. And that only comes through a deep love for him ourselves and finding ways that people can know him and follow him um, so that they can become disciples of Jesus and then disciple makers. So we've been working at that for a number of years here in Detroit and um, finding some really cool ways and making a ton of mistakes along the way, because this is, you know, this is uncharted territory. 
how we proclaim and live our faith in this postmodern world where the structures that maybe we used to rely on aren't there or are fading away. And so people need to hear uh, the gospel for their age. And so I'm really glad Real Plus True does that and uh, been happy to uh, to work on that in a number of different areas here in Detroit. Yeah, so I'm thinking about you know, our audience who's going to be catechists or parish workers, ministers, priests, people who are in a position where, um, you know, they're presenting the faith or walking with someone else closer to Jesus. And in particular, in this unit, we're in pillar three of the catechism. So that's on um, Christian, the the life in Christ and morality is mm-hmm. covered. But also in this particular unit, um, we're talking a lot about about grace and merit. And um, so I'm thinking of, a, of of this from that angle that grace can often be, and I know in my own, own experience, my own life, grace can be this kind of tricky thing where there's these two sides to it. There's kind of God's aid, God's help, but then there's also like, I have to do something. I have merit. And there's a lot of tricky places or, or um, kind of like traps we could fall into or think ways we can get you know, kind of tripped up by this. So I was wondering, you know, just in like a, if, if this isn't too hard of a question, but just in like the grand <laughs> scheme of the, the grand scheme of things, like when the topic of grace comes up, um, maybe, you know, in RCIA in particular, someone yeah. who's just kind of new to the faith, how do you, how do you tell someone, Hey, this is why grace is important. This is like just a broad, this is where grace fits in on everything because I, I think sometimes we get really focused on the specific doctrines, but more like what, how is this connected to everything? Our life with Jesus, our life in Christ. Um, so yeah. how, how do you kind of frame the whole conversation on grace? Well, grace is God's life given to us. And so it's always his initiative. Um, and, you know, we look at this in creation or, in the incarnation, and we can get into specifics later. But in the the whole scheme of things, we look at it as God's initiative, God's first action. And grace is just the term we use for God's life that he mm. gives us. And, um, you know, as we balance grace and merit and talk about that, we have to have the core conviction that Jesus does for us what we could never do for ourselves, that he mm. does something essential and primary. And he makes possible our cooperation. But grace is always God's free act breaking into our lives, our lives to do something we couldn't do. And so, you know, it it really is a way to have our faith be Christocentric, right? That Christ Mm -hmm. is at the middle of it, that Jesus is always the one who is acting, who is working first, right? He tells his apostles, it was not you who chose me, I who chose you that Mm -hmm. God breaks into the world to do something for us. Uh, And that should shape, of course, the way we think of God, the way Mm -hmm. we see God as desirous to help us, not standing far off, not waiting until I get my life together or the kids you're teaching, you know, get their act together or the um, people in OCIA have it all figured out. No, God is breaking in. So we talk about grace in the sacraments and even grace before that that makes us open to uh, to turn towards the sacrament. So it's God's initial act, and it shows us who God is, that he mm. is the one who acts first to do something for us we could never do. 
The National Catholic Educational Association 2024 Convention is coming up soon. All Catholic school educators, administrators, and leaders are welcome to join us in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on April 2nd through 4th, 2024 for Together in Pittsburgh, Connections, Commitment, and Community. The largest Catholic education convention has it all with breakout sessions, liturgies, special events, and a keynote by Steve Angrizano. Register using the link in the show notes. We can't wait to welcome you to Pittsburgh. And that's such a beautiful thing. Like it's something we can take a lot of like hope from and, and feel loved that God is going to take that initial act. And in, in my experience, it feels like either in my own life or, or as others have shared that you can hear these things. You could even understand church teaching and, and, and assent to it intellectually and have faith in it. But then when it comes to living it out, it seems like, and we talked about this a little bit in our pre, in our pre-conversation that when we then start living it out, we might fall into some of these traps. And I think it's helpful to kind of name them. And in particular, a really old heresy called Pelagianism. And then you'd shared on the phone a little bit about Neo-Pelagianism. So maybe you could kind of like unpack that for a a little bit for people. What is this trap that sometimes we can fall into um, when thinking about grace? Sure. Uh, You know, the, the incarnation is the central idea that we always have to keep in our minds about the Catholic faith, right? That Jesus is fully divine. He is totally God and he is totally human. He um, is like us in all things but sin, St. Paul says. Um, And oftentimes heresy is when we struggle or we abandon holding these two seemingly contradictory things together, right? So we need to hold those two together. So heresies about Jesus can be, well, He's not really divine. He's just a really great human. He's a superhuman, right? That's Arianism. Or he's God and he's just pretending to be human. He's kind of like like a puppet, like renting a body. He didn't really take it on. Um, it's the same thing with, with grace, this idea that we have to hold the reality of God being primary, essential, and the the one who's making all of it possible but we have a role to play as well. Pelagianism is when we forget that side, that it's God's grace working, that it's God being the primary mover. And I put all the pressure on myself. I have to figure it all out. I have to do it. I have to earn my salvation. So it's this notion of, you know, God, think of the prodigal son where um, the younger son realizes all of his sins and he starts walking back to the father. You know, a Pelagian notion of that would be the father standing at a distance with his arms crossed, waiting for the son to finally make it back, waiting Mm -hmm. for the son to kind of uh, express everything that he needed to say. And then the father making a determination, okay, that seemed good enough. Mm. But that's not the image we get from Luke, right? The gospels show us the father runs out to meet us. So, Pelagianism is saying, I have to earn God's merit. It's up to me to get to the place where God is waiting for me or God is um, it, God is over here and I have to go to him. And Neo-Pelagianism, you know, Pope Francis talks about this in Gaudete et Exaltate, uh, what a challenge it is in our world that um, we put the pressure on ourselves. We think of the mm-hmm. spiritual life as a life of what do I need to do independent of God, not with God? 
that can happen in Lent when we make our uh, our resolutions or at the beginning of the year, or I say, I want to grow in my relationship with God. Therefore, it's all going to be up to me to do this, right? Mm. That's so wrong. Like God yeah. is our loving father who wants to work with us and who is ready, like even giving us the inspiration. And then we cooperate with that and work with him on the way towards holiness and eternal salvation. Man, I love, man, I love that. It's so beautiful, that image. And I, I love the notion that we have to keep in mind the holding these like seeming contradictions or these, these two really opposed things, you know, justice and mercy, or like you're saying, like God's initiative and grace, but also it matters that we also do something and, and like that. Yeah, we can really, I see this a lot, even in my own life, like with smaller things that if I can swing in opposite directions, like opposite extremes and man, that's such a beautiful image that like, we're running to the father, but the father's running to us. And, and like, it does matter to him that we run, like he's running <laughs> to us, but it also really matters to him that we run too. Um, is that, that's just like beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. The, the God has, uh, St. Augustine says it this way, that God who created us without our, without our consent, didn't want to redeem us without our consent. Yeah. Um, so it's God's work. And, and there he's talking about Mary's yes to bring about, um, you know, the incarnation of, of Jesus uh, being formed in the womb of the Blessed Mother. But it's a spiritual principle that's true across the board that, yeah. you know, God, God wants our cooperation, not because he can't do it, but because he created us as free beings and he wants us to be co-workers with him. Um, yeah receiving his grace and, and living according to it. I spent some time recently with some friends who, um, you know, admittedly, you know, were raised Catholic, but are no longer really practicing. And, but they're still interested in talking about, you know, the, the faith and talking about church teachings and some of these dynamics. And one thing that always comes up and one thing I really appreciate when I talk to them is often, um, you know, they're not afraid to say, but what does that look like? Like, what do I do? You know? And I, and I, I always think that's really helpful because I can get caught up in the beauty of the theology and the, you know, the, the doctrines. And then, and then when someone like that says like, yes, but what does that, like, I hear what you're saying. I need to run to the father as well as acknowledging that he's running to me. But when the laundry's not getting done and the kids are screaming and I've sinned again after I just went to confession yesterday. Like, what does it look like? Like, what do I do differently to cooperate with God's grace and also put in effort? Like, what, like, how do I, how does that look? You know, I wonder what, how you would have answered that probably better than I would have answered it. You know, (laughs) well, this is where the saints can be such great guides for us, you know, uh, as teaching here at the seminary, St. Francis de Sales, St. John Vianney. St. Philip Neri, these are great models for priestly formation, uh, for helping priests to think about, okay, how do I live a holy life as a priest in the midst of challenging times? So mm. just to take one Francis de Sales, like he opens the door to St. John Bosco and St. Therese to think about, well, how do I actually live this life? I don't need to create a complicated, complex system in my head of what I need to do. I need to say yes to Jesus's invitation to me here and now. Now, sometimes that's 
stepping away and going to adoration and spending time in prayer, that absolutely has to be part of my life. Sometimes it's changing diapers or it's um, doing the laundry, as you mentioned, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's doing the work in front of us and saying, God is going to sanctify me if I do every task with him. Mm -hmm. So today, whatever task I have to do as a parent, as a young adult, as a teacher, to say, okay, the prep work I need to do for my class, Jesus, I invite you to into that. Like, I want to do it with you. I don't want to think about the spiritual life as something far off or, or compartmentalized from the, from the rest of my life. My path mm-hmm. to holiness is God giving me the grace to do what I need to do in each moment uh, and to not be anxious about the million other things I need to do, but to be present mm-hmm. where I am with him. Um, it's the same idea with sin, as you mentioned. You know, that when I sin, the, one of the, the worst things I can do is sin and then think about how horrible I am because I've sinned and then get mm. frustrated with myself and then say, well, uh, who am I to, um, to, to try to be a model of the Christian life or who am I to, to do whatever I've been tasked with, right? We're talking here uh, with some teachers of the faith, maybe. Um, mm. We can kind of beat ourselves up and spiral in the sin. No, the simplicity of God's grace and our response to it is, even in that moment, God's grace is there. If I turn to him and I trust him more than myself. So, Mm -hmm. Lord, I've turned away. I messed up. I did something stupid. You're with me, right? Like a little child, I turn back to you and say, Lord, help me in this moment. Help me to say yes Mm -hmm. to you in the next moment, to do the task, whether it's prayer or work of mercy or just the ordinary um, task I have for today. I'm going to do that with you. I'm going to do that out of love for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes so much sense. That's, that's beautiful. And I know we have just a few minutes left. Like, I think we've given some, some pretty practical things for people to, to keep in mind, you know, going to extremes also keep in mind Pelagianism, Neopelagianism. I love the, the, um, advice, like turn to lives of the saints to make it practical, like look for, ways that saints have cooperated with grace and avoided the two extremes of like, well, I'll just let God do everything. And this is who I am. So whatever, or the other extreme of like, man, I'm such a horrible person. I can't get it together. I need to just try harder. And, um, I would also encourage people like reread the paragraphs in the catechism on grace and really spend time like lot, like just on just take one paragraph uh, and really like dissect it and and think about the different words and look at the cross references. I wonder um, if you have any other last minute tips or things that you see maybe commonly mistakes with catechists or or pitfalls when handling the topic of grace. We don't have a ton of time to go into to it, but like anything anything that would make us accidentally sound a little too Protestant, even when we talk about grace. I know that 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 can sometimes be an issue, but um, yeah, anything else that comes to mind is like some last minute uh, advice yeah. for catech- catechists. I think we have a lot more in common with our Protestant brothers and sisters on grace than we um, than we or they admit sometimes. Um, yeah. Because I think we all understand the balance or the the need for both sides, right? The need mm-hmm. for um, the primacy of God's action, that God is the prime mover in my life. God is the center of my life. Um, God is not my my co-pilot, 
Like God is the director of my life. He's the, uh, he's the pilot. Um, but I'm not just asleep in the back, right? I'm actively following him. I'm actively doing what he wants me to do in this moment. So um, I would say just a closing comment on, on grace and, and balancing grace and merit or, or grace and our work is um, just the simplicity that I think the Lord wants us to live. Um, mm. The catechism often turns back to the saints, gives us wisdom from the saints there. So there's great richness there. But the simplicity of saying, like, God, maybe you're not calling me to do radical, huge things today, but everything I can do, everything I'm called to do, uh, I can do with you. And um, I don't need to be anxious or stressed. I can just be with you in this moment and uh, and trust that your grace is sufficient for me. Mm, that's beautiful. Father, where could, where where would you point people or direct people? I know that Sacred Heart Major Seminary offers some like online uh, opportunities for formation, but like, where would you want to direct people that want to learn more about the seminary or just your, this is your chance to direct people somewhere. Yeah. Where would you like to? Yeah. Yeah. I would just tell people to head over to shms.edu. Uh, there are classes, online classes you could take, um, in-person classes, but there's also these that we call them MOOCs. And I think they're, it's an acronym for like online, um, multiple session, uh, that people can do that have been super popular uh, on different topics. So I would invite people. I know there's one coming up on um, the seven deadly sins, the vices and the virtues that accompany those. There's others on the spiritual life and on scripture. So head over to shms.edu and you can find great resources there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Father, for being here. Thank you. And thank you for the great work Real Plus True does. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, like. Like always, the mission and vision of Real and True is to unlock the beauty and truth of the catechism of the Catholic Church for a new generation, to help men and women around the world to encounter the heart of the catechism of Jesus Christ. Please let us know in the comments like what this stirred up for you or any other questions you have or, or like future episode topics. And um, you can subscribe to the YouTube podcast, join the email list. Everything is at the website and there'll be links in the description. So thank you so much for listening and can't wait to, to have you listen next time. The National Catholic Educational Association 2024 Convention is coming up soon. All Catholic school educators, administrators, and leaders are welcome to join us in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on April 2nd through 4th, 2024 for Together in Pittsburgh, Connections, Commitment, and Community. The largest Catholic education convention has it all with breakout sessions, liturgies, special events, and a keynote by Steve Angrizano. Register using the link in the show notes. We can't wait to welcome you to Pittsburgh. This has been a production of OSV Podcasts. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com.